Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. And a warm welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold, and it is now toga time. I always look forward to this. Dr. Peter Kapsner does such an amazing job taking us through the book of 1 Corinthians. We're already at verse 10. We're going to be talking about 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse 10 today. And I'm um, excited to be back in the study. Peter, welcome back to the show. This has been great. Uh, yeah. So the, this first, uh, this is week three of the series so far. I think we might get ourselves all the way through verse seventeen in that time. And and the the previous two episodes, I'm sure you know too, Bill. When you have to study something, research something, and prepare for a guest or do a teaching like this, I'm sure whatever I communicate in this next forty minutes is just is a fra- you, you just learn way more uh, when you're doing the work than when you're listening to the work. I guess is the point. So so thanks a lot for forcing me to do all kinds of work here <laughs> on an otherwise right. you know vacation summer. Yeah, well, we want to transport ourselves back to Corinth in AD fifty five, and if you were living there in AD fifty five, you most likely had a toga on. That's why we call this series Toga Time because we're curious as to how Paul's words would have sounded to the people in Corinth. And I'm wondering, even back then, Peter, what Corinthian hospitality might have been like, because my hospitality is not great, <laughs> um, but you are the kind of guy that I'd like to have over for like a mid-morning snack where, you know, you don't have to bring out much food and you don't stay long. I <laughs> know. <laughs> the ideal guest for you yeah, is the way exactly, that, that sounds. Yeah, that, uh, exactly. you're, not, you're not exactly Jane Austen in your uh, you no, know, sense no. and sensibility level of hospitality. No, but I'm just wondering what the people of Corinth were like in terms of their their love and their hospitality, and maybe we'll get to that at some point. Yeah, we will. And it's a good question because hospitality in the ancient world was very different than what my reference point was just a second ago in terms of Jane Austen or British hospitality or something you might see in Downton Abbey where you bring out your fine china and your best linens and and all of that. Hospitality was um, of the kind in which you had travelers who were utterly dependent upon whether or not you would be hospitable to them. You had to provide them the food and the shelter and the clothing um, or else they weren't going to be able to make it as they traveled. And Paul was a traveler yeah. all around the Mediterranean world. So he, he was dependent. Very dependent. It, it wasn't about you setting out your best coffee for me with a right. Guatemala, Guatemalan roast or Which something. I wouldn't do. I no, wouldn't. I know you <laughs> wouldn't. It would be Folgers, I know, no, for me. But, Sanka. Yeah, Instant. Sanka indeed. <laughs> with some hot water. Yeah. But they, he really was dependent upon them. And as we will continue to find in our study of First Corinthians, they are just really a self-absorbed, pretty arrogant, and very divided group of people who are much more interested in themselves than they are in, in something called the gospel that Paul keeps calling them back to, and he will do that today well, as well. Unfortunately, that does have no application for today. So None. No, it won't be relevant at <laughs> No, least. it won't be. No, so we'll, we'll move on anyway. <laughs> I love it. That's All right. great. Yeah, so it, when we pick up the study in verse 10 where we've left off, as Paul has just given what is a typical Pauline kind of greetings. He mentions some people in those first 10 verses. He says, um, I'm writing this letter for this reason. He gives his credentials, whatever. And I just want to remind people that it's uh, it's an interesting study to go back through 10, 11, 12, 13 Pauline letters and just compare the way he greets 
the different communities because you're going to learn a lot about the tone of a letter from those first few few verses. What is Paul up to? Because, again, as a reminder, he's not writing these things specifically to us. We benefit from them, but he's writing to a community because he has to address some circumstances that are going on. And he has not been happy, and it was pretty clear in those first couple of weeks how not happy he was with the divisions within the community itself. So he's getting set up, and now we get into the meat of the first section of this letter. And and uh, Paul was not writing in verses, right? He wasn't writing in chapters. He's just writing a letter. Yeah. And and so this first section, as we've subsequently, I suppose, important scholars have broken it up later, um, it'll actually take us all the way through about chapter four, where he's going to have a continuous stream of thought that begins here. Cool. And, and I think to set it up before we even get into the verses at all, what we're going to find is Paul is going to continuously return us to this idea of what true kingdom power is versus power in this world. And and I don't know, Bill, uh, this for me, even as I was studying it, it was confrontative yet again of, I think, the kind of things that we think are powerful as human beings and what we think matters and, and where power actually comes from. And Paul's going to become from a different place. And, and just maybe one more quick comment on that. Um, if we let it, uh, and, and we don't just skim over this or give it a wink and a nod, um, it may very much upend a lot of our values, what mm. we do in life week in, week out, the kind of people that we value in places like ministry or business organizations, like these values are just that upside down. And I think for me, I have been guilty of deciding what kind of life I want to live mm. and then having the kingdom come alongside of that in ways that are comfortable to me, as opposed to letting my life be upended by how the kingdom actually works. Yeah. And it's that second point that I think we're going to need to get into today. So that's where we're getting our alternative view of power is through the world. It, it That's is. the corruption that's going on. Yeah. And, and as part of, you know, me and my, my extensive study, I Googled the word power. Okay. <laughs> you good. know, so it, it took me a long time to find a definition for it and that, but, uh, but it, just a working definition for power um, was that you're able to get one's way according to what you desire. So if you have a desire, power operates with your desire as your then ability to get your way. So there's all kinds of different forms of power in this world that are different than the power that Paul's going to talk about in this passage of the cross. Uh, one might be military power. We obviously see it exercised yeah. in Ukraine right now, Every right? It's, it's the battle of who has the most amount China. of weapons and hate China. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed, this is all this military power. Or you have sort of soft diplomatic power that usually has to do with uh, commerce and who has what kind of raw materials to work with. And and even we see that in some of the Ukrainian war and in, in how there's not a lot of grain to go around in Africa right now because it's shut down. And so uh, people are wielding power to get a different kind of outcome. Now, um, power also can be psychological power. Businesses um, very much operate from a place of psychological power when they're trying to sell to consumers. They try to break them down psychologically, they, and then they try to create products that they think consumers are going to like and buy so that then uh, the business will grow. But this is where we can take it into ministry just to kind of, again, set things up a little bit. Um, most ministries of which I've been a part in these last 20 years are operating from that place of psychological power, uh, meaning that they try to identify the people in their community around them that they think they can draw through the doors on a Sunday morning. And and Bill, I've been behind the scenes in so many church meetings where the church staff is doing what's called demographic analysis, or they're just trying to figure out who lives in their community. And based on who lives in their community, they start creating products, kids ministry products, worship products, uh, small group products, um, teaching products, you name it, all sorts of products to try to draw 
people in. And they're and, and what they're actually trying to do is they're trying to create the outcome they desire, which is to grow the church, grow the financial base, grow their own power and authority. And so they're wielding psychological power to persuade people to come into the doors of the church. And I think it's a pretty open-end question as to whether or not that's actually kingdom power and whether there's even kingdom power operating in those churches. Paul clearly is going to tell the Corinthian people that are doing this kind of stuff— that's not kingdom power. Ooh. You might have 10,000 people in your church, and you know nothing about what's going on yeah. in kingdom life. So there could be some toast stuff, Don, uh, as could, we talk about this. I mean, I, I see some of that as, is this church trying to meet the immediate needs of the community in which they're residing? Right. Well, in, in the history of the church, um, prior to when sort of business models co-opted uh-huh. the church, I mean, it drives me wild when people say the church is a business after all. And I'm always like... Can we find that in Scripture anywhere? No, it's uh, of course we can't. It, it, it's a classic example of the church adopting cultural values as it as it does its life, and it happens all throughout history. But to your point, that I think you just said so well, the church is just simply meant to be the place that is equipping the saints for ministry as they go out then among the people in this world to bring the good news of the of the gospel to them. And and it's not meant to grow some big organization; it's meant to minister to the world around them in places like hospitality, taking care of people and and meeting the needs of what's going on, relational and emotional yeah. and spiritual kinds of needs. But, um, but you, again, you can have a very powerful outwardly looking church filled with important PhD level people. I mean, think about who we bring on Faith Radio all the time, right? At the end of the day, we're not going to just bring um, a, a car mechanic with no pedigree according right. to educational letters and, and biblical background uh, onto Faith Radio. And there's reasons for that. I understand that. But we at least maybe need to ask the question that just because you have a PhD or just because you have the right credentials or you're an author or a writer or you have a lot of people following you, does that actually mean you're operating in kingdom power? Because those are not one and the same. That's what's clear from this letter. I agree. Yeah, I'm I'm fascinated with this discussion to this point, Peter, because we, we are stepping into an, a, a very controversial place where our, our churches being wise, taking some principles from business and using it. And then I also think of Maslow's hierarchy where how do you tell someone about the gospel if you're not meeting a basic need? Right. I know you're hungry and I've got an extra sandwich here, but let me tell you about the gospel. Right. Versus here's a sandwich. Can I come back and bring you a sandwich tomorrow? Mm. I'm just having the conversation. I think it's it's an important one. And again, this doesn't need to be to feel like it's uh, toe stepping. It just needs to feel like, can we just step back and just pause for just a minute? Yeah. You know, when a a lot of people are making their incomes and their livings from the vocational ministry of which they're part. And it's a little scary to think about the idea that maybe I'm not going to have the number of people involved in my ministry that also help pay the bills in the ministry. There's just a lot there. I talk about this all the time in my classes at on the other side of the street with with students coming into ministry, that there's a, a very difficult tension and temptation to try to go grow the ministry through branding and all sorts of stuff when really, if you're just going to be raw, honest about it, you're kind of worried about your own future and whether or not you can put food on the table next week. I mean, let's just strip it down and just be honest about what's so often going on and how we exercise power versus what you just got done describing about me- meeting people's needs in the community around us. And mm-hmm. Uh, over the last couple of years, Hallie and I live in, in sort of a little village kind of community, and we've just decided we're just going to weekly go to the different places in the community, whether they're restaurants or coffee shops or bookstores or clothing outlets or whatever it is, and uh, and not just shop there. We actually just want to try to get to know the people within the community. And, Bill, 
it takes about 11 seconds. If you actually are just mindful of the people around you and start talking with them, it's amazing what begins to happen. There's a server at one of the local establishments. We just got to know her a little bit. And now whenever we walk in there, she sits down. We've gotten through all of the baloney of she's our server and we're, you know, the blah, 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 you know, and all like, <laughs> yeah. and it's not about tips or anything. She literally just can't wait to come sit down at her table and talk about life and what's going on. And like most people in this world, profound needs. Related to, I mean, I, I walk around the world and basically assume people have a ton of needs, myself included, that whatever the facades are that we present in public to make ourselves look pretty good, most people are dying and they have desperate and they need this kind of power that is available that doesn't come just because you've branded well or you're growing your ministry. There's mm-hmm. a different power associated with that. That's this. encouraging, Peter, because right now what I'm hearing you say is we are equipped for that job. We are. If we notice. Right. And Paul is going to have to remind all the way through this letter, he's reminding the Corinthians there is a different power available. Make sure, first of all, and this is what we'll get into today, yeah. make sure you stay united. Don't get all filled with strife internally because that'll compromise any opportunity to exert that kind of power. Mm-hmm. But as you get united, then go. there's a beautiful power available for everybody in this world yeah. to share the good news. Did we know this book of Corinthians was this exciting and the answer is maybe, maybe not. But we are uh, going through First Corinthians with Dr. Peter Kapsner. We call this toga time. It's as if you were living in Corinth in 55 AD. And the words of Paul, how would they have sounded to you? All right, we'll take a break. Be right back. Faith Radio and Afternoons with Bill podcasts are available because of listener support. If you are a supporter, thank you so much. Becoming a supporter today by visiting MyFaithRadio.com. Welcome back to Toga Time. Dr. Peter Kapsner is our teacher in this series. We are in Corinth. It's eighty fifty-five, and it's a lovely day. It is a lovely day. Yes, gentle breeze. That's how I'd imagine it. Olives on the trees. Olives on the trees, <laughs> yeah. Um, so we're going to uh, get back into Chapter 1, Peter, but maybe uh, since the break we can just say all the teaching pastors and pastors of churches – you're doing an amazing job. For sure. And you are, uh, with a good intention and a great heart, sharing the gospel. And what you do is really hard work. And we are applauding you, praising you, and uh, trying to encourage you every way we can. Yeah, I think that's well said, Bill. I mean, as we're teasing out what's in this passage about how we can subtly engage with the understandable temptation to wield a different kind of power because we're scared for our own well-being. I mean, again, it has somebody who has been in just employed in just about every kind of church environment, large and small ministry environment the last 20 years. I know just the the rigors of ministry and, and that I deeply cared about bringing the gospel and the good news to people. I, I mean, I just genuinely deeply cared and almost every pastor I knew also deeply cared about. Yeah. Um, there's just this other side thing that doesn't get talked about very much, which is the temptation that if ministry isn't going well financially, 
how what are you tempted then to do to try to make that ministry go well financially and i like i've walked in those temptations i've failed in those temptations i know what it's like when i want a room of 100 people and there's a room of 60 and what that might mean for feeding my kids and all of that and you're tempted to use or lean into a different kind of power but then ultimately it it empties the cross of its power that's where paul's going in this and so from good hearted people there's a lot of them out there. Yeah. Um, sometimes we we walk in these fine lines of temptation. Again, we just don't talk about this stuff very much. So we're we're hopefully talking about it today from the standpoint of so supportive of the people just giving their blood, sweat, and tears in ministry. Mm-hmm. Let's go back in verse 10, Peter. It says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters. That is not insignificant, is it? No, I, I didn't. This is one of the bazillion things I didn't know about the book. You know, so again, it's funny when you actually start studying verse by verse what's in Scripture. Um, and brothers and sisters, um, Paul is going to use that title more in the book uh, or that that moniker more in the book of 1 Corinthians than he uses anywhere else in Scripture or in the entire New Testament. Uh, one third of this language, brothers and sisters, Shows up in First Corinthians. Wow, and the whole, which is it's so interesting. It, it was to me too. Yeah. And and what he is trying to do is he's just about ready to address the divisions among them that exist because they're giving their allegiance to certain teachers or certain philosophers. He says, "I got to remind you of who you actually are. You're you're not just people who are gathered together into a community. You're actually in a family together. And and maybe it's not a blood family, um, but." You are in a family nonetheless. You are brothers and sisters. You have been adopted or grafted into God's family. God is the parent who essentially birthed you in the new birth of creation into a new kind of family. So when you look across uh, the, the, I suppose, pews to, in one another, they're probably looking across benches or, yeah. or you know, small sofas in that time. Um, you're not just seeing another churchgoer or you're not just seeing another person that maybe you want to get to know. You're actually seeing family from whom you shouldn't uh, try to divide from in that moment. You, you are brothers and sisters in Christ. And I, you know, I don't know for you, Bill, I, so I have gone to many churches over the years where I am looking for some friends and, and sometimes I make some really deep friendships out of those places, but I can't think of many times when I looked across at people who have also said yes to following Jesus and they've been adopted into this beautiful family with God as our common father that I think of them first and foremost as brothers and sisters. It's, it's just a, an interesting reminder because it's really sad then when families divide from each other, right? Is there anything more painful than when a, when a husband and a wife divide from one another or kids divide from one another or, I, I have one older brother, and we got into a, a pretty good row, a pretty good fight recently about some stuff. Uh, and it's one of the first times that we ever have done that. And it was just the the time in between the fight and our reconciliation was really painful. It was just it was my family. I'm with you for a lifetime. This really hurts mm-hmm. uh, to be separated from you. And that when love is operating among the community, and Paul's going to get us all the way there by First Corinthians 13, it should be terribly painful to think about dividing one from another in the community. And, and now I'm all convicted about all sorts of divisions that I've walked in, in in the life of the church. I sometimes will see a movie where there's a group of people who are all of a sudden put in some kind of danger or some very challenging situation where they have to instantly become one mm. in order to survive or in order to get through whatever it is. And you start to feel that sense of almost excitement that that they are they're becoming one and they're working together and they're they're not thinking of their differences. They're only thinking about the goal mm. that they have before them. And it's almost a little snapshot of I think that first century church that you're describing. I, like boy. you look across the chairs or the pews and you see this other person, you don't think of the division, you think of 
this is our group. This is, mm. this is it. That's, I hadn't thought about that analogy, but as you were going through all of that, I, I think that really does um, highlight what's going on in this community that Paul is going to invite him to is just like a, a football team has a common goal yeah. or, or if you're in a military <laughs> conflict, you, I mean, you have to be able to lean on the person to your left and your right. Or yeah. if you're with good friends and your kids and your kids are going through stuff, you need people around you that you're bonded together. But that common purpose that exists outside of yourself can bond you together in that way. And it, that is going to be the invitation here. And the, it is how the church is sort of meant to function. And again, I think of all of the times in which maybe I've been guilty of being a church shopper per se, where going to church is about having my needs met um, as opposed to participating in a, in a larger story together. It's pretty tough to be divided um, if you're in the bunker together, if you're in the locker room together, yeah. if, you're, if you're with kids together, if you have a common purpose like that, yeah. it's really important. You try on seven pairs of jeans before you buy one. <laughs> so, I mean, there's probably nothing wrong with looking at some churches sure, to course. find the pair that the church that is going to be best suited for you and your family. Right. But but I think if I end up going to that church based on what I feel like suits me and yeah. then that church no longer suits me in that way, then I, I go it. down the next, you know, it's, it's oh, a yeah. tricky thing, no, right? I mean, there's, there's so many things that I think are just in, in a graceful, important way to talk about. I mean, I think we can all say there's been some strife in churches and difficulties. And so let's just talk about it. And let's talk about it because people, generally speaking, like the Corinthian people, they're going to get invited into some things. And I have a suspicion, Paul, that they came around in repentance and, and Paul was effective in what he did. Okay, let's jump back in. Yeah, for sure. Um, so he's going to start by saying, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's bringing the authority of Jesus into this, that all of you agree with one another in what you say and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and in thought. And when I first read that, I thought, oh, great. You have to absolutely believe everything the same way as everybody else. It's like one big Borg from Star Trek experience. You get sucked <laughs> into this common consciousness yeah. or something like that. But uh, again, when you get behind the surface of this in in the Greek, the the agreement part of it just has to say we it is exactly what you just said. We agree that we are here to serve the message of Jesus, to to bring the message of the cross and the and the, and the resurrection into the world around us. That's why we're gathering. There isn't any other reason for our gathering. So. Um, when you agree to that purpose for the gathering, it does then give shape to what you do. And so as opposed to a bunch of individuals coming together with a bunch of different purposes, let's just agree that that's our purpose. Now, we're going to have different gifts, and you'll get into that later in, into the chapter. We're going to have different ideas, different things to do, but we're going to stay united even in our divergence from one another. We're going to stay united by one common purpose. And, and I, if I was in a church community, I think just to almost start a service and end a service in the same kind of way to just remind, here's all why we're here. Like you maybe all came here this morning for a variety of reasons with a variety of needs, and those are all legitimate and need to be part of the equation. But let's just keep in mind, there's only really one reason why we're here as the church. So have um, agree with one another in mind, be perfectly united in mind and thought that we are here to serve the message of the cross. That is the only reason why we're here. Amen and in, to that. It'll cure almost every division at that point. Oh, it would have to. And I find it interesting, Peter, that Paul has addressed in cha- in uh, verse 10, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, and then in verse 11, my brothers and sisters. Yes. So he's using this. He just this. keeps saying it. Don't keep, divide from your family. Your family has one purpose as a family. Don't divide from that. Stay with it. Stay in it. Man, I'm just, you know, fallen enough to need that reminder all the time in life, for sure. Yeah, yeah, that's that's powerful. We'll take a little break when we come back. Lots more Toga time. But we want you uh, to realize that our summer bundle book giveaway is almost over. 
And we've got uh, some more books to give away. It's the biggest Faith Radio book giveaway ever. And you can win a book bundle to help better understand your Christian response to culture this week. And you can sign up to win at MyFaithRadio.com. Check it out. We'll take a break and be right back with Dr. Peter Kaffner. People like that song. Four out of five. Yeah, four out of five. That's some pretty, yeah. uh, some pretty hefty research you've done. Do you know any idea why the 20% don't like it? I, I don't. Yeah, we'll have to find I that don't. out next. Yeah. I think that's just the normal four out of five. You know, they say four out of five. That's Dentists true. recommend that's sugarless true. gum. I, I think it's, it's really just true. a generic thing. Yeah, I mean, on that basis, Crest and AIM and, and all of these different right. toothpaste have all been recommended by the same dentist. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, four out of five dentists recommend sugarless gum. The one that doesn't drives a Ferrari. <laughs> that's, that's a really good point. You know, he's You're got all the business. He does. He does indeed. <laughs> All right. Oh, we've gotten brilliant. sidetracked already. It is toga time. And if you have your toga on today, way to go. You're definitely in the spirit. But we're uh, taking ourselves, transporting ourselves to uh, Corinth in AD 55 and hearing Paul's words as if we were there as residents. And how would they have sounded to us? Paul is uh, letting the brothers and sisters know that there will be quarrels among you. Peter, what does that mean? Yeah, the, the word quarrels there is not just a simple fight or, or a dispute over something, uh, but it, it really, it has within it kind of the, the, the thrust of that word is the idea that it's gotten so heated between us. So we, you and I should take note of this right now. <laughs> it's gotten so heated between us that we've actually become intolerable to one another. Mm. Like we literally can't sit in the same room. And, and really? That is, so it's that level that, of quarrel. It's not just, you know what, I don't like the donuts that were brought this morning yep. or whatever it is. It really is. I just, I literally can't stand to be in your presence anymore. Wow. And that's, that is, I mean, that's a pretty aggressive tone that Paul is is referencing there that people have for one another that are supposed to be in the family. But I mean, if you've seen a knockdown, drag out kind of fight among people who are close to one another, Truly, sometimes those are some of the hardest ones and some yeah. of the most vicious. And that and that's what's there. Like literally another minute with you, I cannot take. And yeah. so that's the level of, of strife that's happening. Well, we in the have community. 28 more minutes of the show, so you're going to have to hang in there. Okay, I'm going to, <laughs> to do the best I can to just not even look at you for the rest of yeah. it. So yes. But this is 2022. It is. And I, you mean, right, it's, it's a relevant yeah. word. It's a relevant word across almost all Things time. Things have never changed. Culture. No. It, and I think it be, it begs the question, what would get people to a point that there's such strife among them. Like, what's going on here? And, and this goes back to the power conversation, where then Paul goes on from there. Uh, you're saying that one of you says, I follow Paul. Another says, I follow Apollos. Another says, I follow Cephas. And still another, I follow Christ, which is a really interesting one. We'll, yeah, we'll spend very. a little time on that uh, in just a minute. But if if we were in that Corinthian city, one of the defining characteristics about how you would wield power in that city is what philosopher you would attach yourself right. to. 
So maybe it was Socrates, maybe it was Plato, maybe it was Aristotle. I just ran through my list of all the philosophers yeah, that I know right there. Yeah, no, I just exhausted <laughs> that list or some other philosopher. And in aligning yourself or saying, I am of that camp, what yeah. you're claiming is this is the most authoritative camp in which I can align myself. Therefore, you should listen to me the most. Therefore, I should exert power right. about how things should go. So some people in the church are saying, I am following Paul. And uh, and because I am, and maybe he was the original founder of the church and everything, you, we should do what I want to do in the church. And uh, somebody else says, well, no, wait wait a second. Paul sent this dude, Apollos, into the community, and Paul, uh, Apollos was filled with wisdom and eloquence and great speech. I'm following Apollos. He was great. We should uh, listen just to me. And uh, Peter apparently showed up. Cephas is Peter, and, and, and Peter apparently showed up at some point, and he's uh, among the rocks of the church. And so they're dividing and aligning themselves with the disciples of Jesus— um, as they would in the ancient philosophers and saying this is the most important one. And Paul is going to have such trouble with that. Uh, I When I used to read this passage growing up and I would get to the part and it would say, I follow Christ, I'd be like, well, what's wrong with those people? That mm-hmm. seems like that would be the right answer to this whole thing. Um, but there's two possibilities that are going on as to why Paul has such trouble with it. One is some scholars would su- suggest that Paul is being very sarcastic here, basically saying, well, why don't you just say that at the end of the day? Yeah. That's probably the less likely scenario. It sounds like there are some people in the community that in saying, I follow Christ, desired to, from that place, exalt themselves over everybody else and using their following of Christ to exert power mm. in the community and have everybody listen to them instead. And now, again, that's relevant too, right? Well, everyone seems prior to that, Peter, is is showing off their power block. Why right. follow Apollos? I follow Paul. I follow Cephas. So it sounds like they're just expressing, trying to... That's exactly right. They're trying to... um, They're actually using the name of another person to exalt themselves in the community so that that. they can wield the power. So Mm -hmm. they're probably not, even at the end of the day, all that interested in the teachings of Paul or the teachings of Apollos or the teachings of Cephas or, in this case, the teachings of Christ. They just want to have power in the community. And again, they're so livid with one another. There's quarrels among them that they can't even stand to be in the same space together. Wow. Yeah, it's really quite the the drama that is unfolding in this little church community. Hmm. Uh, so Paul then answers that, and he's remember he's already sort of set this up by saying um, you should agree with one another, basically saying your job is not to align yourself with uh, certain schools of thought in order to leverage your own power. Your job is to be uh, aligned to the message of the cross. And we're not going to get into verses 18 and moving forward from here. We just got to always keep in mind that these verses didn't exist when Paul wrote. These are thoughts that he keeps teasing out. Sure. And uh, so after verse 13 or 17, the next time we do toga series, we'll get into verses 18 and following in which he talks about um, what it means to be living according to the message of the cross. And he's saying that the wisdom of this world that seeks to exert power is foolishness actually in the kingdom. And the foolishness of the cross is where we actually find real wisdom. And and so take a really good look at who Jesus was and what he did in the cross where he emptied himself of his power, and there you're going to find true power. So that'll yeah. be for future weeks. But here, well, I can't wait for that, just right. so you know, because right, right. I love that. And how often do we talk about uh, verse 18 for the message of the cross is foolishness, foolishness. to those who are perishing. It, it really is. But and to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So that's just a tease for a future toga time. Yeah, it really is. And gosh, he's actually saying to the, um, he's equating the Corinthian community in this moment as people who would otherwise be perishing because for them, the cross is sounding foolish. Uh, yeah. at, at that way of life, and I'm just going to go back to something that we started this particular hour with. Um, if we let it, 
knowing that God uh, is filled with grace and compassion and moved, moves towards us, where our sin abounds, grace abounds all the more, um, that should allow us the invitation to really take a good, thorough, raw, honest examination of what moves us in life and how we are motivated in life. And, um, and these people are functioning as if their own personal power is the most important thing to them as opposed to giving up all of that power for the sake of other people, thus never really finding the power that's available in the kingdom. And mm-hmm. so Paul, we'll get there, but Paul is saying in these moments um, that uh, he says, is Christ divided? Now he's doing what's called uh, rhetoric or he's asking questions that he's not looking for an answer to. This is like a parent that sometimes will come and ask you a question and they're really not looking for you for the answer. Bill Cosby was a master of this in the Cosby show of, of mm-hmm. asking the, the rhetorical question. He says, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Of course not. Were you baptized in the name of Paul? Of course not. I thank God that I did not baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius so that no one can say you were baptized into my name. And then he has this little parenthesis. Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanus. And this is maybe my favorite verse in the whole passage. Beyond that, I don't really remember if I baptized anybody else. <laughs> I mean, this is, this is God's inspired word. And Paul's yes. like, yeah, I just can't quite sure. remember. I, I mean, right? I recall yeah, it's if so I baptized hu- anyone else. It's so humanizing of him yeah, to, to just that he wasn't just writing on some seaside and trying to think of stuff to write as the Spirit inspired. He really was invested in this community. And again, what he's pointing out here, and, and this is where now gen- I, I, I genuinely don't know what to do with this when he says, is Christ divided? Um, we don't get yellow pages anymore delivered to our door. I think maybe three years ago is the last time that I had the yellow pages delivered to my door. And if I would have just opened up to churches in the yellow pages at that time, there would be so many pages that were reflective of some at last count. And I think there's more now. But in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area in which I live, I think it was 442 different denominations that all exist. Um, every denomination that exists is a result of some kind of division that took place sometime in history. Wow. That's really a stunning statement. And, and those divisions are almost always one of two. They're one of a theological division where you disagree about something theologically, or it's a division of practice, meaning we just want to practice our faith differently. And so they divide and they divide and divide. And Bill, I genuinely don't know what to do with that level of division um, in light of what's going on in the Corinthian letter. Because if I don't just give it again, a wink and a nod, and really think critically about all of this... Um, we can't heal all 442 divisions in, in one week, but is there even just like a step? Is there a little drop of water we can pour into the bucket of this division somehow that gets us to a different kind of place where the message of Christ is what is uniting us all in the midst of just how crazy things have gotten across all these different divisions? You put it that way, Peter, and it just sounds like a hot mess. It does sound like a hot mess, 442 right? denominations? And, and well, that what's, was, What's yeah. going on? What are we doing? Well, I think it it, it is reflective 18. of... Yeah, right? You know? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's reflective of um, an ongoing battle for who gets to exert what kind of power. Yeah. I mean, if we're just going to reduce it down to the end of the day, that's always what it boils down to. You can probably take just about every church division, um, and we have, uh, we have emptied the cross of its power as we have been seeking to exert our own power because we want our ways met. That's wow. what was going on in the Corinthian community. It's not too far afield from what we're experiencing today. Um, but I think it's one thing to identify it, but the much harder work is how do you heal it? I mean, I think regardless of the issue you have going on personally in your families or whatever, it, it gets, it's one thing and you have to do proper identification of the issue, but boy, then walking in restoration and healing is incredibly difficult. But, you know, you and I, we just, we had coffee here recently and, and 
We talked about it. So, yeah, well, not at your house. You did not invite me over. No, I didn't. No, no, the hospitality the shop. there. Yeah, it was a great and coffee I, at the and coffee I shop. Yeah, you did, you'd, you've bought twice in a row right now. Yeah, I have. I know your hospitality knows no, no bounds. There's no bounds. There's no, no, there's no east yeah, and west no, even no, to your hospitality. No. Um, I, didn't, I didn't want to bring that up. No, I know, but but I applaud you. <laughs> <laughs> and But, you know, some of this, we talk a little bit sometimes, just even uh, we know that there's such a wide variety of people. One of the great gifts of Faith Radio is how many denominations are represented in the people that are listening mm-hmm. in this. And, and how do you just stay in that lane of, you know what, here's what we know. There's many things that we can talk about, but here's what we know. We know Christ crucified. And, and, and that is the message that we want to bring over and over again. That transcends every denomination. You can't even be Christian if that isn't your witness that you're bearing. Yeah. But Peter, I'm in a toga right now and it's 55 AD. So am I looking at this thinking there's the people that follow Paul and Apollos and Cephas in Christ, so are there what four or five or eight denominations? Yeah. There's not 442 like there is today. There's not at that point. So they have division, but it's not quite as bad as it is now. Yeah, that's it. Just, but I think the remedy that Paul is offering is still the same remedy, right? I mean, it, now it's going to take longer. Uh, I think so often when we start walking in in, in sinful practices in our lives, um, the longer we walk in those, sometimes the, to walk out of the woods is going to take longer. Right. But but the remedy is still the same. I, I think if everybody, you don't have to just say we agree on everything and all the practices and all the difference, but maybe we just start and say, okay, do we agree that the entire reality of the universe was changed the moment that the Son of God went to Calvary? Like, can we can we just start there and and maybe only talk about that? for the better part of two or three years and rally around that. I wonder how many foolish divisions would just sort of drop away oh, as being meaningless then after that. And then maybe start attacking some of the other ones that, you know, have some substance and we have to wonder about together. But Paul just keeps saying, uh, I, I, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in this same family, that all of you agree with one another in what you say and what you do. And, and again, he's not saying that we're some Borg. He's just saying, start here. Remember the cross. Don't empty of its power. Because if there's 442 of you all scattered around and you're all fighting among yourselves, guess who's probably not going to be too interested in being a part of the yeah. family of faith? I'm hearing from many of you that you're loving Toga Time, as am I, thanks to Dr. Peter Kaptur, who's doing a spectacular job of teaching from Corinthians. We're in uh, Corinthians chapter 1, verses 10 through 17. When we come back, we're going to talk about verse 17. We'll be right back. We would love for you to share your story about why you love Faith Radio and what has Faith Radio changed the way you think about something or even how you live. We want to hear from you. Your story can encourage others and glorify God. Share what you love about Faith Radio by calling 877-933-2484 and leaving a message today. It is toga time. It's also coffee time. I just took a sip of you delicious did. radio station coffee. You think that was a, I think that was a slug. Like that was a, a slug. A, a, a sip is just a little taster. Yes. But you like, it was that a was gulp. a gulper. Yeah, <laughs> it definitely was. And quality radio station coffee. It, quality, it, clearly. It is. Yeah, is it really? Oh, yeah. Was radio it, stations have to have good coffee, Peter. I suppose they do. Yeah. But was it more than, I, I wouldn't think it was more than 85 degrees. It was more than lukewarm coffee. Uh, they uh, just slugged. Uh, no. <laughs> no, okay. But it was, it was high quality. It was slug. high quality. No, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. So we're back in our study of 1 Corinthians. We call this Toga Time. 
because we're wondering what the people living in Corinth in AD 55, how these words would uh, sound to them as Paul writes this letter. And we are um, looking at verses 10 through 17. And uh, Peter, you've done a great job of getting us through this today. And uh, we're down to one verse. Yeah, so this is the culmination of, of where we'll wrap things up today in, in this discussion about power and what true kingdom power is versus the kind of power that we tend to try to exercise. And Paul makes a statement, for Christ did not send me to baptize. And just maybe a quick word on that is, again, there there would be the temptation for people baptized by Paul to then align themselves with Paul. And he doesn't want to do that. So he's just saying, Christ did not send me to baptize. He sent me to preach the gospel. And then he makes the statement, and it's a pretty compelling statement. He says, not with wisdom and eloquence, and he's going to really dress this out now in the next couple of chapters after that, not preaching the gospel with wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. And Paul, one of the reasons why there are some people that were maybe even moving away from Paul's original teachings in the community is that he really wasn't, at the end of the day, much to look at. He, uh, By all accounts, he was not terribly um, interesting and charismatic. He didn't, uh, with, with a flourish, convince people sort of things. And in fact, uh, not only that, he he resisted the idea of being aligned with him as a, as a teacher. And that because, it, going back to what we were talking about earlier, if you were a philosopher in, um, in Corinth, you kind of lived in this little agreement, a transactional relationship with your pupils where they would give you money and then you would do things for them. And the, and as they gave you money uh, as the philosophical teacher, then you would help heighten their power and they kind of lived back and forth. And Paul wasn't taking money from anybody. He was doing tent making on the side. He, um, uh, he that, that really bothered a lot of people in the Corinthian community because he wasn't showing up with typical eloquence and wisdom. He didn't have all of the stature and charisma. He wouldn't take their money. He wasn't doing any of that. Um, and he's saying, if I would have done all of that, if that had been my approach to how I was going to bring the good, the, the, the cosmically unreal good news that the power of sin and death has been broken forever and ever and ever. If I was doing that and I was more interested in how I was doing it with eloquence and wisdom and whether I could get support from it and whether or not you would align yourself with me as a result of it, there wouldn't be any power available on the cross. You, you would become a disciple of me. Wow. And you wouldn't be becoming the disciple of Jesus. So humble. He really was. That and, is so humble. And it drove some people nuts because they couldn't get their hooks in him because they weren't giving money to him. And yeah. so they didn't have leverage they over influence him. him could they, they couldn't influence him. Exactly. Yeah. And so it drove them nuts. They're like, well, that's why we're going to be of Apollos or we're going to be of Cephas or whatever it all is. Yeah. Um, and so what, what Paul, I think it's a, an interesting and perhaps um, not well trodden road to wonder about what it means to have the power that emanates from you sharing the gospel, not as a result of how well you're sharing it and, and the eloquence and wisdom and the packaging that you do about it um, to persuade people in a variety of ways. Um, because if you're using your human power to persuade somebody, guess who doesn't need to be at the table anymore? Well, Jesus doesn't. And, and, and I read this haunting quote recently, Bill, that to the extent that we begin to exert our own power as we're doing ministry is the extent to which God begins to withdraw the hand of his own power in the midst of it. And um, and I don't know about you or Rosie or anybody here at uh, Faith Radio or anybody in ministry, there isn't a single one of us that, w- that was capable of walking that lonely road to Calvary that day and intentionally drawing the full cosmic power of sin and death and evil um, and, and just the disfiguring reality of all of creation into one place on that one hill on that one day and becoming subject to all of it and saying, I'm taking it with me into the ground. 
and I'm going to leave it there and I'm coming out the other side. And when I come out the other side, death itself will have been beaten and I will be rolling back time. There isn't a single one of us that can say that. And yet how many of us are tempted to build our own ministry or our power on the back of that very message. And when we do that, we don't need that message anymore. Wow. And that's what Paul is saying in these moments. That is powerful. It is powerful. Oh, my. It, and, and it, Rosie's it, fanning herself right now. <laughs> and, what, it, and for me, it's confrontatively beautiful. Like if, if we just remember all the time, keep fixed in our mind all the time that God is for us, God is for us, God is for us, where our sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. We don't have to be afraid to just wonder then about, I wonder what he would say to me if I was in that Corinthian community. Like we don't have to be scared of these questions and wonder about what it means to repent of the ways in which I've tried to operate in my own power for my own personal gain or align myself with people or get my hooks into somebody um, that I see as having power so that I can somehow gain from yeah. it. You know, it it happens subtly among us all the time. I can't make tense, Peter. My ministry is too important. You know, that's exactly, but, but that is, it's, I mean, I know you're saying that somewhat. I'm saying it as tongue, a joke. But somewhat, but I living day in and day out in vocational ministry, I know for sure I, my statements were, um, well, you know what? I can't really spend time with my kids right now because my ministry is too important and, and people need me, you yeah. know, and all of the temptation that goes with all of that. Um, and, and Paul is calling that whole thing out and what I'm, I'm just going to love where we go with all of this, because that's where he then continues to talk about to the world. What we are trying to talk about today, you and me and Rosie Sounds really foolish. Like bring that message into the world. Are you kidding me? You're going to give up your life for the sake of other people. You're not interested in building your own little kingdom here in this world. You're not interested in trying to fulfill, find fulfillment in life through personal accomplishments or experiences or relationships. You're willing to give all of that up if somebody else could be set free into the new birth of the kingdom. Are you kidding me? That's foolish. That's silly. That God, how foolish was God to empty himself of his divinity and, and all of the majesty that was there and become veiled as a servant. That's just foolish. Who does that? Where was the personal gain for Jesus in that? Why would you possibly even give up anything if you're not going to somehow gain from it? Um, but he was operating in some weird thing called love <laughs> that is the heart of the kingdom um, in which you're no longer wondering any anymore about what you're going to gain from something. You just care deeply about the brokenness of the other and you'll do anything to make them whole. Peter reminds me of a man that I was in a three-year Bible study with. And this, these are his words. His name was Walt Hendrickson. He's gone on to be with the Lord. But he said, God makes you an incredible offer. You can give your life in exchange for the same thing for which Jesus spent his life. People. Mm. People last forever. For good or bad, they are eternal. Spend your life helping them prepare for eternity. Don't give your life to mediocrity. Life is too short and the issues of eternity too significant. Wow, who wrote that? Walt Hendrickson. Walt Hendrickson. Yeah, that is old navigator guy. That is quite a statement. And you know, when we, when we pull this whole passage together, then and going, again going back, what is the unity of mind and of heart that Paul is inviting his brothers and sisters to? It's one thing for one person to operate that way, that is described by Walt in that passage. And I think we all know those people that when you run across them, they just. I don't even know how to describe them. There's just an, an assuredness about them. There's a certainty, a steadiness, a stability. Like when one person has given their life in that way, you almost can't fuss them anymore. Like, what are you going to possibly take from me? I've given it all up anyway. Right. And and so then you talk about an entire community of people, back to your statement earlier, that are committed to that one purpose together. How powerful is that community? I mean, that's the church. Yeah. And how powerful is that community? This is why Jesus says, um, you know what can't stand against that kind of stuff? The gates of hell aren't going to stand against you uh, because you're operating together in that kind of power. 
Um, this is what Paul is inviting the Corinthians to. And he's saying, oh my gosh, you guys, you're here with all this petty stuff where you're getting um, intoxicated by the power of the big visible people among you. And you've just totally emptied the cross of everything in all of the foolishness because you're living in an upside down kind of way. And if I can go back to how we started the hour, you were talking about uh, you and Hallie, your wife, making an impact in the community in which you live and having a waitress who sits down and starts sharing life with you. I hope she doesn't lose her job for doing that. (laughs) It's a risk. But there is something that you are making available. You are caring about uh, her eternity. You're spending um, time with her and you are not giving your life to mediocrity because life is short and the issues of eternity too significant. So you're making a difference. I hope not to make it about you. No, no, no. But I know that's not what you're looking for. Yeah. And, and, when I talk about God's grace coming towards us, um, that's not a theological concept for me, Bill. That's, that's an actual reality. Like I, I think for those people that have walked um, in the pathways that I'm trying to describe today, which it, is it about your own personal power? Unfortunately, I have walked in those pathways in ministry. I know the temptations of wanting to grow your brand and your ministry and all those sorts of things. And, and I gave up too many of my years to that kind of thing. And thank goodness, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that comes after a wretch like me. Right. And, And in all of that, here's what I'll say. In the anonymity of a little coffee shop in a little town in which we live, as we're talking, Hallie and me, with one person um, just entering into her life around her study of alternative medicine right now and and what she's, you know, studying flowers and herbs as a therapeutic intervention for people. And all we have to do is just ask her five questions about all of that in interest and fun and delight. And we get to know her pretty soon. She's sitting at the table. Pretty soon we're sharing lives. Pretty soon she's helping us plan our 25th wedding anniversary. Pretty soon we're actually in in a credible relationship with somebody. And you know what? Nobody in that coffee shop knows my name. Mm, Interesting. Nobody needs to know my name in that moment. But but, But Hallie and I are just trying to bring the foolish message of the beautiful God who came to save and will set free um, all of these people that you and I talked about at the start of this hour. There isn't a person that I, I see now in the mall or in the coffee shops or anywhere I go that I don't assume isn't just deeply and desperately hurting and confused and sad. And and it takes that engagement and, and with anonymity in the community to just sit and just be with people. Yeah. It's not that hard at the end of the day, but it costs you everything. And you're recognizing everyone that you're seeing as image bearers of God. Yeah. And I'm not evaluating them according to their no. credentials. That's the thing. Like no. I'm not getting I'm not getting fussed by their personal prestige and power because they're just as valuable as the person that otherwise I would normally want to be with. Yeah. Well, Peter, I'm loving the series. I know people are too because I hear from them. I get texts saying uh, I love this series and I'm learning a lot, and as am I. So thank you so much for Toga Time. And next uh, time we'll be uh, picking up in verse 18 of the first chapter of First Corinthians. And that's going to be a powerful message because I love that verse. For it is the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. That's what's up next on Toga Time. We're going to take a little break. When we come back, we're going to continue our Sunburnt series. Uh, Noel Maring is our guest, and we are going to enjoy uh, talking about theology of home. That's all next. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.